0: back yeah, right we, uh, so so the day is here we we have our special guest back with us he is fixing my mistake um you are listening to gps to god we're glad that you're here make sure you rate review subscribe find us on youtube spotify apple um, itunes all that kind of stuff and you might hear some guests once you might hear them twice we might hear them twice and you <laughs> nice. might hear them once who, who knows but take two Podcast at parkwaybc.net dot net. Make sure you reach out. So, Chris, you one thing you don't know, we'll, we'll get into introduction. Well, I guess we need to do introduction first. Right. So yes. know
1: people know who the guest is. Yes,
2: thank it, it's you. It's been thank a you. contest. so I, I'm going to
0: explain the contest after right. we introduce our guest. So yeah. we have with us. Let me let me get to my notes. This is going to take a second. <laughs> he broke. Jesse Owens' long jump record at the Ohio State. There game. we go. Yeah,
3: <laughs> eleven starting off on the good foot. <laughs> yes, we are.
0: Eleven-time All-American in track and field. Played seven seasons in the NFL and played in eight, Super Bowl. Eight. eight seasons. Oh, I forget. I don't count that that one jersey you got behind you, but I, who, who I know. Yeah. <laughs> Played eight seasons in the NFL, seven with the Tennessee Titans, and played in Super Bowl thirty-four. He is shaping the next generation as a track and field coach and a football coach at Montgomery Bell Academy, who oh. uh, also plays in the state semifinals this Friday. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a minute. It's awesome, and also goes beyond sports and mentoring those young men. You can check out his social media for weekly inspirational messages. He's on Facebook. That's Chris Sanders on Facebook or on Instagram at 81 underscore ways, and we have the one and only Mr. Chris Sanders with us. Thanks for being here again. Hey, hey, man, I appreciate
3: you, man. It must have been real good to to bring me back.
0: (laughs) It was really good for us. Unfortunately, the fans, just to get to see once. but uh, no
3: problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: We're the biggest fans here. So since you were here last time, and and you know the story, I didn't hit record, and you were gracious enough to come back. But we turned that into a contest for our fans, so they get to – We've been putting guesses out there. We let them know you played in the Super Bowl and had, had them send in guesses. Then we let them, gave them another clue you played for the Titans. Okay. Let them send in guesses. Then the last clue was we let them know you were an offensive player. Yes. So we we were giving away gift cards, and we're still looking for – we had Jerry Rice guess this week, and mm. I said, that's – um. He didn't play in Super Bowl 34. He he did did not not play for the Titans, but it was a good guess. I got a question. I'm going to
3: ask you guys a question. If you can get this, what record do I hold in the NFL that still stands today?
0: I know the answer, but I'm going to give my man Ryan, do you know?
3: I do know
1: the answer. Oh,
0: Stefano, do you know? <laughs> I do not. i oh, take a guess. You'll never, you'll never get it. Take Just a guess.
3: don't laugh. Just don't laugh. <laughs> it. Hey, it's a what record. It who be? cares? As long as it's a record, I'm in the record books, and I don't think it will ever be broken. <laughs> That's
2: right. <laughs> I, I can't even. I okay. can't even imagine. It, it, it's an
0: offensive stat, but not, offensive for stat. Not, not for receiving. Not
2: for receiving. Hmm. Fumbles.
0: No. Close. fumbles. Yeah, Chris, you want? I'll, I'll let you share the news. Drop. Yeah, I got minus thirty-six yards in rushing. Most <laughs> negative career rushing yards. that's I all mean, how do you get that?
3: The that's
2: all. Right that's all blocking.
3: You uh, uh, <laughs> well, get sacked by there. Taylor when, it, when I played. When I played for the Tennessee Titans, I got sacked by Taylor twice. He used to play oh, for uh, Miami. Huh wow oh, yeah jason taylor and yeah him, i'm still mad at him this day so if I, see, if I see him walking around if i see him in the grocery store I'm, I'm gonna tackle
2: him so i get my yards back as you should as you should
0: hey you, you give us a call we'll come be back up Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. at least a witness so we can we can witness for you that you you got your yards back 100 percent. so chris thanks for being on um we we were very excited we are not gonna uh, repeat the first interview we did we couldn't if we if we wanted to but um you are going to be excited stay on your toes and that is a uh an intentional reference to our fan be on your toes because it's going to be lively a lot of a lot of uh uh emotion a lot of energy and on your toes chris that's kind of a a, a hidden story you want to tell people about that
3: absolutely absolutely i mean like the normal person walks flat-footed but I don't think I'm normal. I walk on my tippy toes. So my nickname is, is tippy toes or tip. You know, when I play for the Ohio State University and even when some of my coaches that I, I play with or, you know, coach with, you know, they call me tip because I walk on my toes. I can't walk flat footed as I, start, you know, came out of my mother's womb. I started walking on my toes at that moment. So it's even though I look funny walking, but actually it helped me in a lot of things.
0: Uh, going back to his Instagram, eighty-one ways. That was his number, his jersey number in the NFL, number eighty-one. So make sure you look him up on his social media and his Facebook. Do you post your your messages on Facebook and Instagram?
3: Yes, I do. I do. I uh, do it at one thirty uh, p.m. Central, and then I'll put it two o'clock Central on uh, Instagram.
0: So so make sure you're checking that out on his social media. It is great. I've not seen all of them. I've seen a bunch of them though. So that's a greatly uh, a great weekly. Message for, for all of you um, listeners out there. So make sure you're checking him out. But um, we're going to get into sports and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to start with your spiritual life. And then we're going to talk about how that has carried you through so many different sports things and then post-playing career. But can, can you give us a, a little some details of of how God has been present in your life. I mean, you
3: know, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations and we always say this all the time, you know, we grew up in the church, we went to church, I did all the religious stuff, but I really didn't know who he was. And it's kind of like this, just imagine me having a rookie, you having my rookie card, but you never met me, but you know a whole bunch of stats and that's kind of, and you wouldn't know me until you actually knew me, but that's kind of how I was with Jesus is I knew a whole bunch of stats. (laughs) You know, I knew that he died on the cross. I knew that he healed the sick but I didn't have a personal relationship with him. And then in 1995, I was one of those guys that came in the league. Uh, you know, I was leading the, leading in yards per catch. And, you know, everything was going great on the field. But the thing about it is, every time I would go home, I felt empty. And in 1995, my end of my rookie season, I got in the step of my receiver coach and Sherman Smith, the receiver coach for Tennessee Titans slash Oilers, really led me to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the most prized possessions that I'll, I'll never forget. Because the thing about it is, is, you know, football was what I did, but it wasn't who I was because football started to become my identity. But the thing about it is I had to understand that my life and my purpose was bigger than just being a football player. God used that platform, and I'm going to continue to use it. It's a blessing. But my purpose was living for my daddy, which is Jesus.
0: One of the big things that we all like is NFL. Playing in the NFL, that's biggest sport in America. Yeah. What what Americans call real football. The rest of the world will tell us we're crazy, but – um <laughs> Game day. Yeah. Can can you tell us about game day in the NFL and uh, the excitement of that, but then also maybe some struggles, kind of behind-the-scenes struggles that players face that we may not know about?
3: You know, um, there's a lot of stuff that we face that a lot of football players don't really talk about it. And and I know a lot of guys know a guy named A.J. Brown He played for the Tennessee Titans. He came out and talked about his depression. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys that go through this. A lot of guys that go through depression, get go through anxiety and go through these things. We as, you know, big men are afraid to talk about these things. You know, I mean, when I, when I went in the field, you know, I was, when I got on the field, sometimes I was afraid. But the one thing I had to understand that God gave me my strength and God gave me the power to overcome those things in my life. And, you know, I remember um, about 14, 15 years ago, I know this is kind of the same thing on the lines of what I'm talking about, what you guys are talking about. But 15 to 16 years ago, I went through a tough divorce. I mean, I went through some situations that were tough. I lost everything. You know, my kids were living in California. You know, I went through divorce and I was at I was at a point in my life that I wanted to end my life because it was so unbearable. But the one thing I love about Jesus is he took me out. Of the pit and gave me a purpose, and I like to use this illustration. Um, you know, I remember um, we were playing the, the uh, Buffalo Bills, and as we were playing the Buffalo Bills, I'm in the huddle. Uh, Derek Mays is in the huddle. Eddie George's in the huddle. And, uh, you know, Stevie Neer calls the play, and he calls a play to Eddie George. And as a receiver, I'm mad because I want the ball. So as <laughs> right. I run out there, I got so mad that I told the defensive back that Eddie George was getting the ball. He was like, really? Oh. So, you know, like that. So all of a sudden, I'm, I'm blocking the guy, and all of a sudden, I see Eddie George, and he's running. And I look back, and here comes Big 27. 27 is a big old guy with a little bitty head, just a big, gigantic guy.
2: <laughs>
3: So as I'm blocking this guy – I see Eddie George and he knocks me down and I'm sitting there face mask turned this way, snot bubbles in my nose. But there's one thing that I'll never forget is Eddie George saw me laying there and he picked me up and he got me some Gatorade and I got it. I got back in a game. See, that's a perfect picture of how Jesus is is when sin knocks you down, when insecurities knock you down, when depression knocks you down, Jesus steps out of heaven, picks you up, gets you his word, and he gets you right back in the game. And that's a perfect picture of how much I love Jesus because he didn't, he saw me laying there. He saw me in pain, but he didn't leave me there. He cleaned me up, gave me his purpose, got me, got his word, and I got right back in the game.
0: So we kind of teased the people here. We gave them a little taste of the NFL. We're going to come back to that because okay. we, we still got the the big one, the Super Bowl to, to go over. There we right? go. But we're going to we're gonna back it up now. We just draw them in. That's called a tease in the in the business, Ryan. It's called a tease. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so backing up a little bit. Can you tell us where you're from and where you grew up? I
3: am from Denver, Colorado, where it snows a lot. I mean, it's mountains, it snows. It'll be 60 degrees one day, 80 degrees the next day. Then all of a sudden you have a blizzard. That's kind (laughs) of what I went through. Grew up in Denver, Denver, Colorado. Grew up watching John Elway, um, the Three Amigos, um, who else? Uh, Tom Jackson. I grew up John Elway. I grew up watching those guys, so I'm I'm, I'm from Denver, Colorado.
0: And how did a Denver kid playing in the snow, end up at the Ohio State?
3: That is a great question. Uh, this, is, this is how it actually happened. Is uh, The head coach that coached me in high school, his cousin was the wide receiver coach for the Ohio State University named Gene Huey. And uh, our coach was telling me, telling him how, you know, how good I was, and this and that. He came and saw me, and they actually offered me a scholarship. But a funny story is um, I actually was going to go to Arizona State because they were going to let me go both ways. But this is what changed my mind. I know this sounds kind of goofy. But as I went down there, you know, you go down there for recruiting. And one girl t- said, I look cute. <laughs> <And> she, <laughs> said, are you-, and she said, are you going to a house? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so all she wrote. <laughs> it was Crazy all because how- of her. And then when I got the campus, I never saw her again. <laughs>
1: Crazy how women get us. Never done. Never Wra- done.
0: Wrapped around a little finger. <laughs> it's a great, great recruiting tool right, right. there. <laughs> so Ohio State. Um, Oh, the Ohio State. I had to do it so you could correct me. I did that one on purpose. So for those of you that don't know, anytime you reference the Ohio State, you can't leave off that the. It's got to be there. So I made that.
3: I got to tell you the story, too. The reason why it's it's the Ohio State University. We actually started me, Eddie George, um, Joey Galloway, Terry Glenn. We started that in 1992 is when they interviewed us. We said the Ohio State University, but the reason why we say that is because there's so many teams in Ohio. you got University of Ohio, Ohio University, Akron of Ohio, Cincinnati of Ohio. So when we say the, all those other schools don't matter. So that's kind of where that, you know, came out of
0: So he was a little little con- more kind this time. The first time we did this interview, I, I left off the, and Chris got me, but deservedly so. I knew better. I knew better. Absolutely. But at the Ohio State, you, you were an athlete – Football and track and field. Yes. Can you tell us what it's like being a star, a, high, a recruited high school kid, coming to a, a big school and, and playing sports and the trials you faced in that? I mean, it was tough.
3: I mean, the pressure of, of performing, the pressure, you know, to actually get on the field because there's so many athletes. But When I first got there, I was behind the eight ball. Uh, and the reason why I say I was behind the eight ball is when I went there, I had to sit out my first year. I was academically academically ineligible. My ACT score was real low, and the first day I stepped on campus, you know, I met Joey Galloway and I went out to coaches. But then I'm, I show up to, you know, to lift weights one day, and I remember this: I had my bag in my hand, and everybody's getting lockers, and I'm the only one that couldn't have a locker because it's an NCAA rule. So every day, I know this sounds kind of weird, but I had to put my clothes by the coach's urinal every day. So just imagine going through that. Seeing that, and then also when I'm lifting weights with the guys, I mean, you're talking about Alonzo Spellman, Jeff Cotter, and all these big guys that are squatting like four or 500 pounds, and I'm barely squatting 120 pounds, so I'm getting laughed at. So when you talk about going to a situation to where you're throwing and you're learning how to be a man and trying to figure things out and, you know, find out what's going on, the first thing is you put yourself by the coach's urinal, and then all of a sudden you're getting laughed at. So now I went through adversity, but the one thing that that I learned through adversity is that, man, it doesn't matter where you start, it's it's where you finish. Because here's a guy that uh, had had 11 on his ACT score, now he graduates in education with a 3.1. Here's a guy that didn't have a locker, now is getting drafted uh, third round, the 67th pick in the NFL. So the, the reason why I share those stories is I want the listeners to understand is it's not where you start is where you finish. It's just overcoming the adversity, overcoming the pain, overcoming the shame to understand that, you know, something big can happen for you. And I remember um, this, my second year um, uh, playing football, I I got a chance to play like one or two plays in the first game. And then all of a sudden I'm running the route and I get hurt. So now I lose another year, but here's the, the great part about that year is my blessing was waiting for me at that time and I didn't know it. And I'm gonna tell you why is uh, I hurt my knee, so I had to sit out and then all of a sudden I went off a track. And uh the first track meet I went to, I jumped 2411. The second, the third, the second meet, I jumped 2510. And then the third meet, I broke Jesse Owens Long Jump record at Iowa State, and it still stands to this day. So what I'm saying is trust the process and understand that there's great things waiting for you.
0: And even when you are literally in the toilet. As you are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know God, God still has a plan for our lives, and He knows where He's going to carry us, but we may have some growing to do before we get there.
3: Yeah, I had to understand what what trust looks like. I had to understand that you know the battle's not mine. My my job is just to show up and trust Him at all time. And here here's the wild part about it is I wasn't even saved at that time. I mean I, I wasn't even saved at the time, and and God had His hand hands on me the whole time. It says in Romans. I think it's Romans 80 said God demonstrated his love that while we were sinners, he died for us. While I was a knucklehead, he still blessed me. So now I'm serving him and I love him even more because he, he didn't have to love me when I was all in my mess. But he took me out of that situation, gave me a purpose, and he's doing great things in my life.
1: You, you're talking about how you had to put your stuff next to the urinals and everything. But I mean, someone coming in new to college and everything, I feel like that would be. Debbie Downer moment right there. You'd be like, man, I got to put my stuff here. And you, I'm watching all these guys that are getting out there and getting to just go do it right away. And, I mean, that's commitment. You're you're sticking with it and still going at it. And, you know, obviously with God with you, it makes it just that much easier. So these guys out there, it's just crazy.
3: I mean, I wanted to quit. Don't 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 get me wrong. I wanted to quit. And I think I remember uh, this is a time where I just had enough. I mean, I was just like, okay, mom, I'm coming home. This is my senior year. I had zero touchdowns, I barely played, and I'm in my senior year. And the year before that, the, co- the coaches wanted me to, to come, go to spring ball, but I couldn't do spring ball because I was running track because I was ranked in the world. I can't just leave them mm. to go play football. Right. So now we play our first game, and they start a junior over me. And I'm like, I'm like I'm done. I said, I, I, we, were, were, we were playing San Diego State, and the junior gets in, he catches a couple of balls, and then Joey Galloway has a phenomenal game. And I'm on a plane and I was contemplating, I'm done. I said, I, I can't do this anymore with tears in my eyes. And as I went back to my uh dorm room, I called my mom. I said, Mom, I'm finished. I said, I I can't, this is this is just too much. And my mom with her sophomore, she just said, Baby, just, just trust the process and everything's gonna be all right. Now, here, here's the cool part about the whole thing. It's cool, but it's a little, little disappointing. I remember we were we were headed to practice that that Monday. And uh, I'm riding with Joey Galloway and and, uh, we're sitting there, we're kind of actively on our way to practice. And all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of cameras waiting at the facilities. And as they're waiting waiting at the facilities, I see Joey Galloway put his head down and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, what is going on? So Joey gets out the car, said, man, what is going on? So they started asking him a question. They said, how do you feel about being suspended? And Joey got suspended for two games because he took money from a booster. So now, all of a sudden, Wow. That kid that didn't have any touchdowns all of a sudden it's get, has to be inserted back into the lineup. Now I'm back in the lineup. First game, two touchdowns against Houston. Next game, two touchdowns against Wisconsin. Next game, two touchdowns against uh, Pittsburgh. I mean uh, Purdue. Next game, one touchdown against Pittsburgh. So what I'm saying is, is, is I was staring at a situation, but God didn't keep me there because my blessing was waiting right there.
0: So, you you graduate college, get drafted. Yes. In the third round, begin, begin your career as a professional football player. How long after that process was it before you were saved?
3: Um, End of my rookie season. End of uh, your rookie season. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the funny part about that whole year is I was crushing the NFL. I mean, I, I was leading the, the league in yards per catch with 23.5 yards, 23.5. After four games, it was 30.5. I mean, I, wow. I was le- I was lighting the NFL on fire. But here's the thing about it is, is every time I would go home, I felt empty. Mm-hmm. And, like, is this it? You know, I mean, I had all – I had everything in my head. I had money. I had the fame. I had, you know, this, this phenomenal rookie's tearing up the league. I'm leading the yards per catch. I'm, I'm starting in the NFL. But I just felt empty. You know, I'm like, is this it? Because we know what the NFL stands for. It stands for not for long, because you ain't going to be there that long. So, you know, I just got to the position to where, man, it's got to be more to life than just playing football. Listen, God made football, so I don't want to make it a bad thing. God put football in this world and gave me opportunity to play, so I'm never knocking it. But I, what I had to understand is God wanted me to love him more than I love my profession.
2: Once you became saved, was there like a group – um, I know you hear about teams that have like a group of other fellow brothers that you could lean on and groups and everything like that. Did y'all have that then when? Oh, during that absolutely. Time?
3: That's a great question. Uh, and and one thing that we did is we kept each other accountable. We had, it was me, Derek Mason, Bruce Matthews. um, uh, It was another cornerback that came with us. And what we would do is when we were on the road to keep each other accountable, we would have Bible studies in our room or we'd go to somebody's room And just make sure us four was there until meeting, meeting time. So, you know, we had guys to keep us accountable. We had guys that loved each other. And we had those, those, that group to where we, you know, we can depend on. I I mean, I love Bruce Matthews. Bruce Matthews was a funny dude. I mean, he was funny. (laughs) And then we had Derrick Mason, who was crazy. Then we had Aaron Kenny. That's who it was, Aaron Kenny. You know, we we had Bible studies. And and every, I think it was every Monday, we had a big old Bible study at uh, one of the guys' house.
2: That's
0: awesome. For those that don't know Bruce Matthews, offensive lineman, Hall of Fame player, right? He's in the yeah. Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. oh, Hall yeah. of Fame oh, no. player. And, and, you know, offensive linemen don't get much credit, but he yeah. was one of the he's best phenomenal. in history, obviously. Absolutely. But also, he was a good athlete, just all around athlete, right? Uh, you hear, he was you hear a terrible, stories he was a of
3: terrible athlete.
0: Ter- well, you hear stories, <laughs> I've heard stories terrible. of like training camp where he's catching 10, ten footballs, catching them off the jugs machine. That terrible the- athlete. <laughs> terrible. Just, just like a wide receiver just like a wide receiver here's
3: what what, what made him so special is he mastered his technique mm. he was flawless in his technique flawless is nowhere the guy was going to step flawless in using his hand flawless with his feet but athletic wise looked like he had two knees and, and five, five elbows it was terrible <laughs> but, 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 but here's what he did is he took pride in what he did he worked hard, he was a great teammate, and that 's why he 's a Hall of Fame. I mean, I watched him. I'm like, how is he doing this? He knows exactly what guys are going to do if they twist or stunt, you know exactly what technique these guys are going to do. I mean, I watched him thoroughly destroy Bruce, was it not Bruce Matthews? Uh, Bruce, they played for the, the Bill
2: Smith.
0: Bruce Smith? Bruce, Bruce Smith. Smith. Oh, he
3: destroyed Bruce Smith. and Bruce Smith was stronger, bigger, faster, but mm-hmm. he knew exactly what he was doing, and just you know mm-hmm. ran through his lips.
0: I think Bruce Matthews made the Pro Bowl at every offensive line position. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely, he was smart, oh, man. Unheard it's of. Crazy. That he's is
3: crazy. A he was the jokester of the lineage, team. He was too. jokester of the team. We'll be playing a game, and and the guys running around looking for his helmet. Where's my helmet? And he's hiding it. He's like, I got it here. <laughs> like, That's kind of something you can do. Or in practice, he'll put like pepto bismol and syrup in your helmet and put flour. And you put it on. It's just, but it just, it's <laughs> one of those guys that you love to be around. Guys that inspired you to be great. And you know that year. We went to the Super Bowl in 1999 to watch him cry when he was holding up the trophy, to watch him cry, to be like, man, I finally made it all these years to the NFL. It was it was a beautiful, beautiful sight.
0: <laughs> so you touched on it. Let's go with the big game, the Super Bowl, 1999 against the Rams. What is that experience like? Of course, we all watch it on TV. We see the press conference. Um, and and just kind of the lead up to the game the week before. But what is that like as a player? Um, Different experience? How is it different from regular season? And and then stress level and how how you carried that through faith as well? It was was
3: crazy. It was really, really crazy. I think the best moment that I had is when they had media day. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. And what they did is like you saw one camera in there like, man, is this it? All of a sudden, they opened up the door. You're talking about 4,000 cameras, just people from Russia, China, all, all different places. People were interviewing me, and I didn't even know the language. I'm just talking like, okay, that sounds good. But it, it was a great moment. But another moment that, that I really, really love is when I walked out of the tunnel, and as I'm running down the field, because I'm screaming, and usually I'm a quiet guy when the game ends, but the adrenaline was flowing so much. And all I could hear was Chris, Chris. So I ran down to the end zone, and it was about 25 people with a number 81 jersey on. I'm like, whoa. I was like, okay, let me go get my camera. I had this big old VCA VHS. American. I'm like trying to run out with it to try to tape it because then my battery died. So I'm like, dang. But that moment was awesome. What I think too is, uh, you know, just watching, you know, Jeff Fisher and and Floyd Reese and, and Bud Adams and, you know, things like that. See these guys work hard to actually get to that pinnacle. And then another, another moment that I really, really love is I actually saw one of my favorite singers was uh, Tina Turner. And as I walked by Tina Turner, I said, "Hey, how you doing?" She's like, "How you doing, baby?" I was like, "Yeah." And then, she me. <laughs> and then, and then she kissed me on the cheek. I'm like, "I have arrived." <laughs> that was a good moment. But you know, again, you, you kind of get back to your question too: is you know, how did my faith, you know, kind of help me with that situation? Is you know, the Bible says in Second Timothy one seven, he said, he said, he's not giving the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of mind Because before that game. I was afraid. I was nervous. I felt like both leg, one leg weighed 600 pounds. The other one was like 800. I'm trying to run routes, feeling heavy. But I just calmed down and said, Lord, I'm trusting in you. And then next thing you know, it just it was kind of like a regular game. He,
0: he's over here just throwing stuff out. You know, Tina Turner, yeah, she kissed me on the cheek. <laughs> <laughs> Name mean, drop. Fan, fantasy camp over here, <laughs> fantasy camp. Yeah, yeah. But so to get to the Super Bowl, earlier that year in the playoffs, you were the, part of the Titans, obviously – that had another miracle play to get there. One of the biggest plays in NFL history in the Music City Miracle. And for, for those listeners who may not know what that is, Google Music City Miracle, yeah. and and you'll see one of the greatest football plays ever. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It was crazy. Play? Okay, number one, Kevin
3: Dicey wasn't even supposed to be in the game. Derek Mason was. And then number two, we are. everybody keeps saying that we practice that in practice. We ain't practiced that now one time.
2: <laughs> we do that
3: up on the side. I must. I don't know where when they practiced. It, I must. I don't know where I was, but we never practiced it. But that was a great moment. I mean, it, it was really cool. And here's the cool part about the whole situation. First of all, they kicked it to Lorenzo Neal. Lorenzo Neal is about five foot two. He wrestled in in, in college. He's a four time NCAA championship. He has the worst hands in America. I mean, it's like try to catch with elbows. I mean, it's awful. He's terrible. They keep it to him. He catches the ball. Then they throw it. Then he gives it to Frank Wachek. Frank Wachek has the worst arm in practice. He, I mean, he tries to throw it. It's like, it's, it's terrible. And then you have Kevin Dyson. It ain't even supposed to be in the game. And they draw it up on the sideline, and it works. So what I what I look at that, and I look at that picture, is God can take something that looks so foolish and turn it into a miracle. Because on the sidelines, I was talking to Yancey Thickpin. I was talking to uh, Isaac Bird about the last three plays that we we're going to run because we thought the game was over. But there was still 16 seconds left on the clock. And as I'm as I'm talking to uh, Yancey Thickpin, I look down. I'm like, why is Dyson running down the field? What, what are we doing? All of a sudden, he went in the end zone. And when he ran the end zone, the crowd was going crazy. And then the the, uh, the referees went to, you know, to see if it was legal or not. You could hear a pin drop. So I'm sitting there, and he walks out. And he says, you know, the play is good. Man, it was insane. I mean, it was people were on the highway beeping the horns when I'm walking. When I'm driving home. I get back to my cul-de-sac. There's about 150 people congratulating me. So it's one of those moments that you never forget that felt surreal.
2: How was that entire just – I know you, you were drafted by Houston. Mm-hmm. Started there in Houston and then you moved. Came up here to Nashville. Y'all had to play at Vanderbilt for a year. Then finally get it to, you know, Adelphia, I guess back then. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Tri- trivia. How was that entire process for you? Just coming into the NFL for a couple of years. And how yeah, was I was that?
3: a young, I was a young player, so we could have played in somebody's backyard. It didn't matter to me. Okay. But the trans, the tra- yeah, the transition. You know, it, it 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 was tough because we were sitting in meetings one day. And all of a sudden, we was like, "Okay, you got two weeks to go find a house in Tennessee." We like what? So we we go to Tennessee, and um, you know, we we play in, in Memphis. We play in Memphis, and um, mm-hmm. when we're playing in Memphis, I'll never forget we're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. We walk in there; it's all Steelers fans, and we're getting booed. And we're supposed to have the whole mm-hmm. team, and mm-hmm. I'm like, "What the heck is going on?" So we're <laughs> after that. We go to Vanderbilt. We go to Vanderbilt. Same thing. We're playing the San Diego Chargers. It's all San Diego Chargers fans, and we're getting booed. So I'm like, man, is this this what it's all about?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But when we moved into that stadium, when we played um, the Cincinnati Bengals the first game, and we we, we won thirty six to thirty five, I said this feels different. And we, we we that year we went thirteen and three. We beat Indy the first round. Uh, no, we 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 beat Bills the first round. We beat Indy the second round, and then we beat Jackson Jacksonville. So, and uh, it was unbelievable.
0: Were you married at that time? Did you have a family? Yeah, I did. I, had, um, I was
3: married and I had a son, CJ.
0: W- was that transition harder with the family, do you think? No, nah, it, was- it,
3: it wasn't too bad. I mean, we were just excited to get, get up out of there. I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, we was, we, went, we went and found a house in like two days. and Now, it, it, the transition for me, it didn't matter. You know, I think it was harder for the older guys that played mm-hmm. in Houston for a long, long time. It, it was kind of mm-hmm. tough for them. But to me, I was only in in Houston for like two years.
0: Gotcha. Talking about your son, CJ, for those that don't know, Chris's son has, has been an actor before, and there's a movie called Ray about Ray Charles, and Chris's son was in that and played a young Ray Charles in that movie. Can you talk about your son, your child, anyone's child being an actor? How did that come about for you specifically?
3: It was a miracle. I'm, I'll be honest. It was a miracle because a CJ was seven or a little younger than that. And we didn't know we didn't we didn't we weren't even thinking about putting him in acting. We there was we we just didn't just never came up. But the producer was was going around and trying to, you know, find people to play in the Ray Charles movie. Just trying to find a kid, you know, they look like Ray Charles and played the instrument. But he saw CJ's face in a magazine. And it's like, well, this, where's this kid at? Has he ever played in any roles or anything? It was like, nah, we don't we ain't doing no acting. We denied it. They're like, well, just put your put him on tape and tape them and, and send the VHS tape to you know to New Orleans. And they're like, who is this kid? So they flew him down to New Orleans to have him meet Jamie Foxx, head, have him meet Taylor Hackford, the, the producer of the movie. And when he went down there, they gave him the movie just like that. Wow. And that's how that happened. Never had any actors. And that movie, and, and he doesn't understand the magnitude. Of that movie he played a yes, legend yes. i mean it comes on every year yes you know and um you know and the funny thing about it is, he was up for an award he was going against don Cheeto for supporting actor don cheeto uh, <laughs> wow Fox, morgan you got this little kid at the bottom with a little afro, morgan, like this doing and, and, and he did his job man never had any acting experience you know once he got the, the you know the job then you know then they helped him with his acting but man you know, it's funny because me and my son was talking about it today. I said, man, do you understand what you did? He's like, yeah. I said, as long as you live, they will always be talking about that movie. That's one of the best movies of all time. And you had a chance to represent and act an icon, which is uh, Ray Charles. Yeah.
0: I, I don't know that any acting, quality acting is is super easy, but that was a hard role for him. You know, Mm -hmm. as a child, and maybe he, maybe it was better that he didn't understand, you know, he was just playing, maybe. But for those that haven't seen that movie, he's playing Ray Charles as Ray loses his sight. Yeah. And so CJ has makeup on that's kind of, you know, looks like his eyes are pussing up and different things, which adds Mm -hmm. another layer of difficulty for him. (laughs) And that, I mean, it is an awesome role. If you haven't seen that, check that out. It's a pretty good movie. And, And also shows, trials and tribulations of fame and yeah. and how yeah. <clears throat> satan can use that to drag people down and uh-huh. not not the vast majority of of us are not going to be famous but someone like chris which is why we want to have him on to talk about you know the the how satan works against us because the same things that chris has gone through translate into our lives uh-huh. and translate into um things that we can apply as well.
3: Yeah, I mean the, the thing about it is is we got to understand that the Bible says this, it says in Hosea 4, 6, it says, My people perish for the lack of knowledge. The reason why you know we fail sometimes and we don't walk according to God's will is because we don't know who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about understanding who you are and, and the way you know who you are is getting his word. That's why it's kind of like this. If I if if I go lift weights every day and I go to school every day, a uh, high school that I coach at and I never eat Eventually, I'm gonna wither away and I'm gonna die, and that's the same thing. we I mean, a lot of people go through, go on with their lives and do all these things, but they never, never eat the word of God, and then they die spiritually. And I, I'm just at a point in my life, and I'm not trying to preach too hard, but I'm just at a point in my life that I, I can't, I can't live without it. I just can't. Hmm. You know, I can't go a day or two days without getting his word and understanding, man, there's promises. And that's a love letter to me. That's a love letter to, to you. There's promises that that I can overcome adversity, that I can overcome depression. I can overcome doubt. I can overcome insecurities. I can overcome all these things. Why? Because our Dad already overcame it for us already. So that's what makes this thing so good, man. Mm-hmm.
0: And you touched on it earlier. You, you're NFL player. You You're coming to the end of your career. You've made a lot of money. And then you go through a divorce. Mm. Mm. What, what is that? How did you recover from that? What are some of the steps that you took to get over that depression and, and pull you out on the other side strong with a stronger faith? I think
3: the one thing that I had to do to get out of it, I had to get out of isolation. I mean, because the one thing was, especially me as men, man, we try to hide and don't want to deal with it sometimes. But what I had to do is I had to get men in my life to help me and show me who I was in Christ. I mean, a lot of times we, we we talk about God and we just never, we get a situation, you know, we don't know how to get out of it. But Jesus gives us always, it says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the thing about it is we, God came that we may have life. And how do we have life? Through his word and surrounding yourself with people that's going to pull you out of your situation. It's kind of like this. I remember watching uh, Rocky and I, I love Rocky. Rocky is one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies. But I remember um and I think it was in Rocky too, uh Rocky was just getting beat up. I mean, just getting pummeled. And as he's as he's fighting, he's in this ring. And he's in this ring, uh Polly, not Polly, but his trainer was on the side.
0: Mick, like, hey,
3: Rock, hey, Rock, just one more round. But then if you look on the side, everybody's telling him to stay down. But on, on the left side, the uh, uh his his trainer said, hey, just one more round, Rock, just one more round. See, that's the perfect picture of Jesus is when you're getting knocked out. Jesus said, Come on, son and daughter, just warm around. But see, the thing about it is the battle's already been won. That's why he said, around Because the battle's already been won.
0: Who did he fight in Rocky II, Ryan? Paulo Creed. Oh, he, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, he, he wasn't gonna get it. He <laughs> wasn't, wasn't gonna get was it. There was
1: my lifeline right there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> the last thing that helped me too is uh this this is what really helped me too. Is I mean, I know I give a lot of stories, but, you know.
1: That's what you're here
0: yeah. for. No, I remember um,
3: watching wrestling. You ever watch wrestling?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
3: They, they have tag team, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, the guys in the ring, it's always the guys in the ring that's just getting beat up. But then the guys in the ring, there's a guy outside the ring that is putting his hand over the ring and said, listen, hey, dude, all you got to do is touch my hand and I'll get it in the ring and I'll fight your battles. And all of a sudden he crawls over there and he touches his hand. And then the guy that's losing gets out and the guy jumps in and he, and he, he beats the other guy up. But see, that's what Jesus wants us to do is we're in a ring of depression. We're in a ring of doubt. We're in a ring of insecurities. We're in a ring of all these things. We're continuing getting beat up. And Jesus is just saying, all you got to do is touch my hand. And when I when I touch his hand and say, God, you got it. He says, you got a ring. And let me fight the battle that's already been won. That's what really
2: helped me through it. And I'm sure just having that, those accountability partners that you have, because Satan preys on us when we are isolated by ourselves, that's when he's there and the strongest. Obviously, there's strength in numbers, and probably having those accountability partners that you had definitely helped get you through that. So,
3: I mean, it's kind of like this, too. Just imagine that. Oh, I just got this picture. This is really cool. Just imagine I'm a lion, right? Hmm. If I'm a lion and I'm a cub, a cub lion, I think it's a, it's called a cub, but just imagine you knowing that I'm a lion, that means I'm the I'm the baddest thing in the jungle. But if I'm not if I'm not in a pack and I start to wander off, it doesn't matter if I'm a lion or not, somebody's coming to get me. Mm. But I feel, but if I'm in the pack, that means man, you can't attack me. Why? Because I'm covered. <laughs>
0: yep.
3: So even though I'm 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 a Christian and I love God, but if I isolate myself, enemies coming. But if I surround myself with people that's going to encourage me, then I can't
0: lose. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with people that will build up your faith. Absolutely. So you 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 made it through a, a time of depression.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Post football career, you've moved into coaching and, and and coaching high school students, high school athletes. For those, we're going to get into some of the inspirational stuff and how how you're transitioning them from boys to men. Mm -hmm. But people that are are now have high school athletes and they are being recruited for college. Mm -hmm. What experience or what advice can you give them from your experience of the recruitment process and, and finding a place that they can fit in?
3: I mean, the, the, the recruiting is it's getting crazy now. I mean, It's crazy. I mean, it, it's really bananas. I, I think what, what, if, I, if I did it a little different, I would have sought God on where he wants me to be. I kind of think that a lot of times we kind of do it on where we think we should go. And I know this sounds cliche or, you know, churchy or whatever, but I, I would see God in that whole situation because you're, you're going to a place to where if you go to a place where you feel out of place, You got to be there for four and five years. I mean, that's when that depression sits in. That's when you get homesick. That's when all those things happen. Mm -hmm. But if you go to a place where God strategically puts you, that means there's a seed in the ground and you're going to grow fruit, you know? And and that's why, that's what I would do. That's kind of advice that I would get. But also, you know, as a kid making a decision, I think kids also need to make a decision on where God wants them to go as opposed to where everybody else wants them to go. Because a lot of kids, you know, go to places Mm -hmm. where, they're not even supposed to go. So that's why they struggle a little bit.
0: And then you're you're coaching now. What what are you coaching? Let's people know what you coach. I coach
3: uh football track and I love coaching. I actually didn't want to coach. And 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 let me tell you a funny story. How um I started coaching, I was lifting weights one day and uh somebody came up to me and said, Oh, you played NFL? I said, Yeah, there's like, well, they're looking for uh a receiver coach at this certain school. I'm like, man, I am not coaching. I want to go home, watch just Judy all day. And all. <laughs> so, you know, they're like, please just come out and see what you think. So I went out there. I'm like, man, this is all right. But this is what got me hooked. There was a kid on 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 the team that I was mentoring, and uh, as we uh, got done with the season and whatever, whatever, we had the banquet, and uh, they get ready to, you know, stop the banquet, this and that. And one of the kids stand up, one of the kids that I was coaching. He stood up with tears in his eyes and he said, Can I say something? I said, Yeah, man, y'all go ahead and say what you got to say. He grabbed the mic and he said, Coach Sanders, could you stand up? And I stood up and he said these words. He said, he said, Coach Sanders, you're the father, you're the father figure I've been looking for. And wow. I wow. I was done. I said, okay, wow. now I know why I coach. Mm-hmm. Not to just build right. a football player, but to build man. And when that kid said that, I was like, okay, God, I got you got my attention. So now I know what I'm supposed
2: to do. These days, I'm sure it's easy to go the other route as far as just building a, building a football player. Yeah. Building. Building. Obviously, we're all competitive. We want to win and lose. Uh, we, we want to win and everything. But um, building young men, especially these days, um, is is ultra important. And what you're doing as far as combining both building an athlete but building men of God. That's definitely important in this day and age.
3: I mean, it is because sometimes we wonder why we had to go through so much pain. And, you know, I had to go through so much pain in high school and college and in pros is because it's for a purpose. Because how am I going to reach these kids if I've never been through it? You know, I get kids where, you know, they ostracize them and say, you know, he can't make it and you're, you're this and you're dumb and all this stuff that I went through. So now I can understand how they feel to help them walk through it you know, overcome that adversity. So even though it was painful to go through that adversity and through that pain and all that stuff, but now I understand why I had to go through it because I can feel how these kids feel.
2: Hmm.
0: So a, a story we told last time that I'm going to bring up again, Chris was, is, has been very gracious throughout this entire process. And when I first started talking to him about coming on, <laughs> he, we were texting back and forth and he called me hero in yeah. one of the texts. He said, Uh, you know, what i can't remember the exact text but he's like sure hero no problem and i shared it with these guys with ryan and stefano and, and they're like why did he call you hero what is, <laughs> right why would he call you don't even know him why would he say that right is he making fun of you is he, what, what's happening <laughs> so would you tell a story about how you came to start calling people that you
3: know i was um because I, I work at a school called montgomery build academy and i'm just walking on campus and you know, I just call everybody hero. So this this on this particular day, uh, one of the teachers walked by and I said, hey, how you doing, my hero? And she kind of looked at me. And she's like, oh, I'm doing good. So about three days later, she comes to my, ho- my, my house. She comes to my uh, office crying with tears in her eyes. And I said, are you OK? She was like, no, but I'm doing good now. And the reason why she said that is she said I, she said she's been going through cancer for about a year and a half now. And she just felt down, depressed and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And she said, when you call me hero, it made me feel like I can overcome anything in my life. So that's why when I go to the gym, when I go to the mall, I'm calling people hero because you never know. Somebody might need an encouraging word that day. Wow.
0: And something small like that can make a big difference. And some we, we think it's in, it, insignificant, right? It's just yeah. hero or just just yeah. saying hi and being sincere, smiling, saying hi right. can change somebody's day. And you'll hear stories about people who are depressed and and planning to commit suicide, and and someone told them hi or someone said hey I hope you have mm-hmm. a good day, yep. and it changes their mind mm-hmm. and gets them through that one day, just making it through that one round, making it to the next round. One more round. So, Chris, we're 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 going to wrap this up here in a few minutes, but if you would, I, we're putting you on the spot here, so. <laughs> Could you give us one of your inspirational thoughts straight off top of your head?
3: Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. He says, trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. I don't know if you're going through trials and tribulations. I don't know if you're going through something big in your life, but don't lean on your understanding. Lean on the promises of God because the promises of God are yes and amen. And one thing I want you to, another thing I want you to understand also is God has called you to walk in greatness. You know, the Bible says in Genesis 12, he said, I've made your name great. So walk in your authority, walk in your faith and walk in the abundance that God's had, that God's called you to be. And another thing I want you to understand is too, is the Bible says this, he says, he calls you a royal priesthood. And what does that mean? That means God has called you to walk as a king. God has called you to walk as a queen. So it doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter what your friends say. It doesn't matter what the world say. God calls you a king. And what does a king or queen, queen do? It decrees. So when I say what a king or queen does, they decree, that means speak what you want to have in your life. Because the Bible says this, it says death and life is in the power of the tongue. You speak your destiny, you speak your purpose, you speak on what God can do in your life. Because at the end of the day, when you're speaking the promises of God, God said, I can't lie. So when you speak it, you better believe it's going to come to pass. Because if Jesus was king of kings, Lord of lords, what does that mean when you come to him? That means you're a king. So walk in your kingship and walk in your queenship.
0: Awesome. If, if you are not pumped up, check your poll, something is right. wrong right. with you. <laughs> and that is just a little glimpse of what Chris has on his uh Facebook page and Instagram page.
3: Check it out tomorrow cuz it's going to be fire.
0: I just have a random one. Who's your favorite active
1: player right now in the NFL?
3: Um, actually it's not a player, it's a coach.
1: Okay. I like I like
3: Frank Reich from the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. Okay. The reason why I like him is just the way he he, he builds his team. Yeah. The way he cares about these players. I mean, he's not one of those coaches cussing people out. When something goes wrong, he just said, you know, what? let's just keep taking one game at a time. I love what he does. I love what he stands for. I love how he encourages his players, man. So I love, I love him as a coach.
0: Well, Chris, thank, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for being here twice, even though, you know, mo- <laughs> most – the audience only got one time, but we got two time. <laughs> but, uh, hey, thanks for doing that. Thanks sure. for the, the inspiration and the blessing you give people every week and every day as you come across them. And uh, thanks for coming on and sharing some stories with Anytime, us. man. Invite me on again. Please. Oh, oh it, it, it's <laughs> gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> hey look, Skynet. That's that's are,
1: <laughs> for the first y'all know right. you know what that is? Skynet, yes. Oh. But I well, um. that like
3: something on um what is it? Uh what's that what's that called? Uh with Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: There you go. I'll be yes. back. Oh, yeah. Terminator. 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 Yeah, Skynet. Skynet. Yes. Was I yeah. right? The, you're right. Yep. Yeah. Hey, terminated. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happened with the first interview. That's why it didn't get recorded. That's what. uh That's going to be my story. <laughs> nice. But, but Chris, thanks so much. We will sure. definitely have you back, and we're gonna we'll get sure. you live For and sure. in person one day, or we'll come Dude, down. I'd love
3: to. You Appreciate know. you guys. All right,
0: before we hit the road, Ryan, send us home
1: with the Bible verse. All right, so I have Second Timothy three, thirteen through fifteen.
0: So just like Chris said, God has called us to be great. He's known us from our mother's womb when he knitted us together. You're going to be great one day and surround yourself with people that will build up your faith so that you can help others as well. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you again, Chris. And we will catch you all again next week on GPS to God. If the the machines don't take over. Right. (laughs) Thanks for listening to GPS to God. Make sure you
1: give us a rating or review on whichever app you happen to use. Also find us on YouTube and be sure to subscribe to our channel.